Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. For those who don't know me, my name is Mark Wickersham, and my friends call me Wick, so I hope you will call me Wick. I want to give a brief intro since we don't all know each other somehow. Over four years ago, I was hired to be the middle school principal at Evansville Christian School. I have just one wife, Megan, who teaches ESL, English as a second language, to adults here in our community. And we have two high school girls, Rosalie and Grace Noel, and one very energetic third grade boy, Josiah Lee. Now that you've received a most adequate introduction, will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Faith Bible Church and Sunday School. Thank you that we can gather together this morning to learn about the work you've done, specifically in one man's life, and the work you've done in China. There are many places in this world we know that we can't come together like this. Help us not to take that for granted. I pray that what I share gives us a stronger heart for cross-cultural missions. Thank you that through your spirit, I can actually give a presentation that draws people to Christ and brings you pleasure. Would you use me right now to do just that? May my words honor Eric Little, but most of all, may it show you the utmost respect and bring you all the glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that the technology works. Yay! Hey, when Elder Dan emailed me a list of missionaries to possibly speak about, there were a few people that stood out to me as the father of three children adopted from China. Gladys Aylward's work in China with orphans was certainly a draw to me. I also considered Jim Elliott a Wheaton grad like Megan, my wife. Remember, one wife. I took some Wheaton courses this summer, and a couple well-known men who graduated from there have had an immense impact on my life. When I was a middle school principal at an international school in China, I couldn't put scripture on my office wall, so I had Jim Elliott's best-known quote above my couch. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me say that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I figured the PSB, China's state police organization, wouldn't pick up on that quote during their annual visits to our school. The person from the missionary list that stood out to me the most, though, was the flying Scotsman, Eric Little. Sometimes I hear his last name pronounced incorrectly to help you remember how to say his family name. Just remember that Little 
rhymes with fiddle. Repeat after me. Little. Come on, guys. Little. All right, good job for some of you. By a show of hands, how many, you're going to have to participate here. You're going to have to raise your hand, okay? By a show of hands, how many of you have a little knowledge of who Eric Little was? All right, great. I have another question for you. Can anyone tell me the British sports film that won the 1981 Academy for Movie of the Year? That's right. Chariots of Fire, reference to a couple verses in 2 Kings. Perhaps some of you are playing the popular Chariots of Fire theme song in your head right now. All right, Nathan, this is it. Okay, okay you'll pass. All right. We were talking about before, you know, that he would, he would play it, but all right. Um, if it has often been used at Olympic, Olympic Games. Chariots of Fire was a small film based on the lives of two different runners, one being Eric Little. They played the movie a million times on cable in the early 1980s, perhaps you remember if you are as old as me, and I've watched the movie several times. I did a movie analysis of Chariots of Fire for a worldview course I took through Colorado Christian University more than 12 years ago. Shortly after that, I read an excellent biography of Eric Little called Pure Gold, a few years ago, I reviewed his book, The Disciplines of the Christian Life, where he outlined his pattern for living, which had a daily Bible reading plan as its foundation. What has been the attraction to Eric Little? One, he was an excellent athlete, and sports have been a big part of my life. Although I've participated in several organized runs in the past few years, I'm not a runner like the great Brad Smith. But I like to be active and compete. Soccer is my big sport, but I've coached multiple sports over the years. Little was not only an Olympic runner, but he was the captain of the cricket team at the boarding school he attended in southeast London. When he attended the University of Edinburgh, he was selected for Scotland's national rugby union team. There have been many who have ridiculed Little's running form, but this man was definitely no wimp. Again, he was on Scotland's National Union rugby team. We've all seen how insane rugby players are, right? If not, watch some rugby clips on YouTube. You'll see these guys are super tough and super crazy. I think someone's got onions up here. The biggest reason through, though, my, for my interest in Eric Little is that he was born to missionary parents in Tianjin, China in 1902 and later served as a missionary in the city from 1925 to 1941. Initially, Eric Henry Little was going to be named Henry Eric Little. However, a missionary friend noticed that his initials would have been H-E-L. Think about that. So they decided Eric was a far better first name than Henry. The city E-H-L was born in, Tianjin is a city of a mere 15 million people today. I called it home from 2003 to 2016 
and Megan moved there a little over a week after we got married in 2004. Megan had actually already lived in three different cities in China for a total of seven years, so starting our married life in the Middle Kingdom wasn't a big deal. Tianjin was where my oldest, Rosalie, was born in 2002. That year, I was given a leave of absence from my job teaching sixth graders geography in Frankfort, Indiana, a job that I absolutely loved and thought I would be at for 40 years. And I joined a Christian organization in Chonan, South Korea. I did not return to my teaching position in Frankfurt. And the next year, I joined LDI, Leadership Development International, an organization now based out of Noonan, Georgia. I started teaching social studies to middle school students at an international school in Tianjin. The city's name where Eric Little served means Heavenly Ford. So Tian means heaven, and Jean means ford, a shallow point in a river or a stream. Please repeat after me. Tianjin. Come on, guys. Tianjin. Now you can say some Chinese. All right? <laughs> so, uh, yes, that is Eric Little right there. That is not a girl, all right? And that picture I took... That's where I lived, and you see that it says King Hall Hotel, if you were to look at it up close, and that's where we worshiped at on Sundays. Chinese people, nationals, were not allowed to, to worship with us. So when uh, you can see from that picture, um, when people talk about Evansville traffic, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit. So who was this Christian man of courage and conviction who spent so much of his life serving the Chinese? Let's start with his family. Eric Little was a preacher's kid and the second son of his parents, the Reverend and Mrs. James Dunlop Little. His parents were Scottish missionaries who served with the London Missionary Society, a largely reformed group of churches with congressional missions in Oceania, Africa, and the Americas. Eric had two brothers, one older, Robert, and one younger, Ernest, which happens to be my dad's name. Um, he also had a younger sister, Jenny. Robert, the oldest, was born in the biggest city in China and the third biggest in the world, Shanghai, which has a population of 27 million people today and is located on, on China's central coast. So 27 million people is, is kind of big. Uh, keep in mind, Evansville's population is 120,000 people, and Indiana's population is less than 7 million people. Ernest, the youngest of the three boys, was born in the nation's capital, Beijing, which translates to northern capital, Bay, northern, and is only 25 minutes northwest of Tianjin by bullet trains that travel over 200 miles per hour. Now, those bullet trains weren't there 100 years ago, if you didn't realize that. Jenny was born in a small village named Xiaojiang in the Great Plain of North China in Hebei province. Now, Eric Little lived in Xiaojiang for a few years at a large London Missionary Society compound. There were four large houses inside the compound walls, a church and two schools, one for boys and one for girls. Eric's dad preached on Sundays, and Eric's mom, Mary, was a nurse who took care of many local village children. Eric dressed just like the local kids. 
and he spoke Mandarin, Chinese, the, ma- the main language there. Sometimes I've seen Chinese people get shocked when Megan speaks Mandarin, and then they get a little confused why my, my Chinese isn't as good as hers, because I'm half Japanese, and they're like, dude, what's up with the Asian guy there not speaking Chinese very well? Uh, so... I see them get shocked. I would see them get shocked with her. So imagine, again, a hundred years ago, for them to see a blonde haired, blue eyed boy speaking perfect Mandarin. Just across the plain that surrounded Xiaojiang was 10 million people in 10,000 villages a hundred years ago. Between the villages were wheat and millet fields, streams, and waterways. When Eric was five years old and after his parents had been in China for nine years, the London Missionary Society decided it was time for the family to return to Scotland for a one-year furlough. The voyage from Shanghai to Southampton wasn't a 13-hour flight, but took six weeks on a German steamer. When Eric was six years old, he and his eight-year-old brother Robert were enrolled in London School for the Sons of Missionaries, a boarding school for 150... (laughs) Sons of Missionaries, in the Mottingham District in southeast London. Most of the children there had parents serving in India, Africa, and China. And it's very normal for children of missionaries to attend boarding schools in England. Eric and Robert's parents and sister Jenny served in China while Eric and Robert received their formal education at a proper school in England. Ernest would not be born until six years later. The reason why I'm a little emotional is because of things I've written and just imagining what it was like for this family. Um, So during Eric and Robert's time at London School for the Sons of Missionaries, later known as Eltham College, their parents, Jenny and Ernest, came home on furlough only a couple of times. Eric would not see his mom until he was 13 and he would not see his dad until he was 19. When they were together as a family of six, they mainly lived in the much more comfortable capital of Scotland, Edinburgh. Come on, Wick. Come on, Jesus, help me out. Now, imagine being called to live in a foreign land where people often stare at you. They occasionally might touch you, and you have lots of difficulty communicating what you want. Things get stolen or break down from time to time. And it's not uncommon for the absolutely delicious food to give you the cha-chas. If you don't know what that is, you can ask me later. That was part of my experience during my 14 years overseas as an adult. Now imagine God telling you you must live in this foreign land in the early 1900s without your two boys. You must be apart from your sons for many years, missing out on most of what they experience. And you will experience an enormous amount of discomfort while away from them. Now, China has changed tremendously in the past few decades. And when I hear what China was like in 1995, when Megan first moved there, it's vastly different from the China that I experienced nearly a decade later. I I can't imagine what it was like for the Scottish family over a hundred years ago and have to do it without your whole family. My son Josiah Lee is eight years old like Robert was when his parents said goodbye to him and when they went back to China. Now imagine saying goodbye to an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. Let that sink in. 
I'm thinking there were a lot of tears. That takes a lot of faith. And as I continue to share about the little, specifically about Eric Little, you'll hear about the Christ-like character and strong faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. When at Eltham in his young years, Eric didn't enjoy classwork much, and he was rather shy. He missed Chinese food, his family, and even his goats and kittens. Eric did enjoy the strong emphasis on sports, which taught British boys how to play by the rules, respect authority, and be a part of the team, something I think our culture needs to remember and continue to learn a lot. Both he and Eric Robert excelled at rugby, cricket, cross country, track and field, and every other sport they participated in. They became the athletic stars of the school and often finished in first and second in competitions. Eric was awarded the Blackheath Cup as the best athlete of the year, playing for the top cricket and rugby teams by the age of 15. He would later become the captain of the teams as well as the captain of most other sports teams at the school. As a 17-year-old, Eric set a school record in the 100-yard dash with a time of 10.2 seconds, a record that still stands today. That's blazing fast. The wellness facility at Eltham College is now known as the Eric Little Sports Center. When Eric was 18, 1920, he joined his brother Robert and attended the University of Edinburgh to study math and science. Eric enjoyed attending the University of Edinburgh a great deal, and sports continued to be a huge part of his university life. He ran in the 100 and 220 races for the university. In May of 1921, when Eric was 19, Eric established himself as the top 100-yard sprinter and second-fastest 200-yard runner in the whole university. Eric's second-place finish in the 220 dash that month was the last time Eric would ever lose a race in Scotland. It was a regular thing for Eric to break records. He ran the 440-yard race, the quarter mile, in 52.6 seconds at the Scottish Inter-University Games. That record stood more for th than three decades. Eric also played rugby for the university club. His rugby skills earned him a spot in the back line of the strong Scottish national rugby team. Two years later, when starting, uh, after starting college, Eric played in several Five Nation matches, a prestigious rugby co competition. I think it's called the Six Nations uh, Tournament now. And it consisted of uh, Western European countries. Eric earned seven international caps before 1923 was over. Of course, that speed of his enabled him to score a lot of points for the team. All three of my children are student athletes who have achieved little success. And I have emphasized to them and ECS athletes the importance of playing sports to God's glory. I don't want my kiddos to simply wear the Evansville Christian School logo or for my teams to simply say, go fight, play for him. I want to see my children and ECS athletes be doers of the word. I wish I could say that's how I was in my younger years, 
Unfortunately, I was a dirty player who used foul language, intimidated others. I know, I'm, I'm a massive guy that intimidates people all the time. And I flat out cheated. I've been in the box in indoor soccer for overly aggressive play, and I've been carded and suspended from the outdoor game. Today, I understand that when you accidentally knock down a player, you're the first to help them up. Today, I understand when you kick the ball out, you get the ball for your opponents, even when you're dog-tired and you're giving them an advantage. Today, I understand when you score a goal, you don't run away from your teammates and go to the corner flag so the crowd can cheer for you. You thank God and you thank your teammates for helping you get the ball in the net. Eric Little didn't play soccer, but this is the kind of athlete he was, an athlete who played to God's glory. Yes, Eric could be nervous for races and get worried that his studies would suffer due to all his training and competitions, but he felt it was his duty to run for the university and run for God's pleasure. I do want to mention that Eric finished as one of the top three students in all of his classes, so you young folks don't think that studies aren't important. So how did Eric Little bring God glory through sports? Eric listened to his coaches who attempted to fix his unorthodox running style. Eric participated in the ballerina-type warm-up exercises that he originally thought looked silly. I probably would have been uh, right there with Eric. Eric didn't just run hard in the races. He ran hard at practices. Before each race, he shook his opponent's hands and wished them success. He never said good luck because he knew luck had nothing to do with winning. Additionally, Eric would offer his trowel to his opponents to see if they would like to use it to dig two small holes in the turf or track just behind the starting line. They didn't use running blocks back in the day, so the runners would place their toes in the holes to push off and get a quicker start. In the 440-yard race, runners didn't like having the outside lane because they were likely to get bumped around. On at least one occasion, Eric swapped lanes with a runner who was assigned the outside lane. Eric didn't want to bring attention to himself. Eric didn't brag and show off all his trophies and prizes. In fact, most of the prizes, which included gold and silver cups, salad bowls, I don't know why, uh, and tea sets were kept under his mom's bed in an effort to hide the valuables. These are the many ways that Eric Little gave God glory through sports. Eric stood out from the rest of the family, not just in the sports arena. He was the only blonde Little. He was the only balding Little which started for Eric at the age of 20. His mom thought he took too many hot showers from the athletic competitions. <laughs> Eric was also the only little who didn't like talking about his faith. Eric always went to church services, read his Bible, and had a strong moral character. But Eric was not an enthusiastic evangelical like his older brother Robert. 
That would soon change. Robert was part of Scotland's Students' Evangelical Union. They had evangelistic campaigns that used university and high school students to share the gospel all across Scotland. During the weekends and vacations, students would sleep in local churches and spend their days inviting people to their nightly meetings. Many of these meetings were successful in rural areas, but not as much in the large cities where blue-collar men weren't so interested in hearing from young people and might have preferred gambling and drinking with them. Rugby matches were often used to draw men to these meetings, but some of the students would get hurt facing the older and bigger men. Imagine that. Robert's friends came up with the idea to get Robert's brother, Eric, to be part of the Scotland Students' Evangelical Union because, well, Eric was a star rugby player that the men would gladly hear speak. After much deliberation, Eric agreed to his plan, this plan, and Scotland and the world would start seeing a new side of Eric Little. Once Eric gave his first Christian presentation, churches and civic groups began asking him to come and speak. His second speech found him in front of 600 men, and before, it, and before he gave his uh, simple gospel presentation, Little realized God had given him a gift. He was given a platform, which I'll touch on a little bit later, that would allow him to share the good news of Jesus Christ to thousands of people. He went from a shy, quiet person to someone who tried to accept every speaking invitation he could get. He received criticism from sports writers saying that if his speaking engagements would make him too busy to properly train for the races, Little couldn't continue to win all of his races. But that's what he did. In the summer of 1923, when Eric Little was 21 years old, Little ran in the Olympic trials in London. Although Little was Scotland's best sprinter, he was not assured a spot on Great Britain's team, which consisted of the best runners from England, Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland. He had to finish in the top three in these events at the British Championships and Olympic Trials. Little not only made the team, but he won the 100-yard dash, setting a British record of 9.7 seconds. That record would not be touched for 35 years. Furthermore, Little won the 220-yard race in a time of 21.6 seconds, a personal best. Although I'm not, I was known for my speed on the soccer field, and I haven't lost all my speed, don't think I have, all right, Little celebrated number 47 yesterday. Little makes me look like a turtle. Eric Little was the fastest runner in Great Britain, and newspapers all over about, uh, wrote about his accomplishments and saw his potential to win a medal in the Olympics. The weekend after the trials, Little participated in a competition against runners from Ireland and England. He entered the 440-yard race, a one-lap race that he typically didn't participate in and wasn't favored to win. During the race, Little was knocked over and found himself in the grass in the middle of the track. The runners were at least 20 yards in front of him, 20 yards, 60 feet. By the grace of God, Little powered past everyone to finish in first. That race has been called the greatest quarter-mile race performance of all time. Little was eventually awarded the Harvey Cup for Best Athlete of the Year. The next year, in April of 1924, three months before the Paris Olympics, 
Little received a list of events he was entered in. His favorite, the 100-yard dash, was on Sunday. That was a massive problem because Little, man, would not run on Sundays. He never did and never would, feeling that Sundays were to be spent resting and revering God. Chariots of Fire shows Little receiving news about the Sunday heats as he boards the boat, taking the British Olympic team to Paris. However, this is inaccurate. Got a little emotional because I think of how critical we often are. I know we could be critical of Little and say that in Exodus 20, God gave the Sabbath command to the nation of Israel, not us. I know we could say that we have a new covenant and we are to rest in Jesus and not focus on resting on a certain day. Regardless of what you think, you have to respect Eric Little for following his convictions. He chose to give up a potential gold medal in his best event with guaranteed fame and fortune to follow. And he faced a ton of criticism not representing his country in the 100-meter dash. He was called a traitor and a man unfit to represent Scotland. To make matters worse, Little would learn that the 4x400-meter and the 4x100-meter relays were also on Sunday. The British Olympic Committee privately met with the organizer of the Games, but nothing could be done. The committee asked for Little to consider running in the 200-meter and 400-meter races, even though he wasn't favored to medal in either event. Now, while all of this was happening, Eric's brother Robert decided to serve as a missionary doctor with the London Missionary Society in China. When Robert arrived in China, he wrote Eric and told him about all the suffering that was happening in China due to the political struggles and how much help the poor needed. When Eric read the letter, he decided he would go to Tianjin, China after the Olympics and after graduating from the University of Edinburgh, our former home where Eric was born and where his parents currently were. He immediately wrote the Anglo-Chinese college in Tianjin to ask if they needed a science teacher or a sports coach. Now, while making the journey across the English Channel to Paris, many of the athletes on the team told Little that they admired him for his stand to not run on Sundays. This is how Lord Cadogan, head of the British, this is not how Lord Cadogan, head of the British Olympic Committee, felt when the teams marched out on out out of the stadium during the opening uh, ceremony. He stood right in front of Little, and while looking at him, he said. To play the game is the only thing in life that matters. I don't think Little was feeling all that chipper from that encounter, but he was much happier when he saw his teammate, Harold Abrahams, win the 100-meter final and the gold medal. Little would win the bronze medal in the 200-meter final, while Abrahams was the last man to cross the finish line in the 200. Little wasn't favored to medal, but he overtook three runners in, at the end of the race in that 200. Now, as far as the 400 meter is concerned, Little's times leading up to the race were just under 50 seconds, but these weren't spectacular by international standards. On the morning of the 400 meter final, Little was handed a small piece of paper from a team masseur that said, in the old book it says, he that honors me, I will honor. 
wishing you the best of success always. This is a reference to 1 Samuel 2.30, prophecy against the house of Eli, and a note of encouragement that really moved little and is something I need to do more for my children and other family members, players, students, colleagues, and friends. Words are powerful. They can draw people to Christ or tear people down. Little Drew Lane 6, which meant he would be at a big disadvantage starting in the outside lane. Two of the runners he was competing against just set world records in their heats. Despite all the odds against him, all right, Nathan, you can start doing the Chariots of Fire theme song. Little, thank you. Little not only won the race, but he crushed the competition like raisins by setting a new world record of 47.6 seconds. Little said, the secret of my success over the 400 meters is I run the first 200 meters as fast as I can, then for the second 200 meters, with God's help, I run faster. The crowds cheered. The newspapers spoke highly of him. And he made a year-long farewell tour, starring in stadiums and churches. Everywhere he went, people wanted to hear from Eric Little. It was like he was Michael Jordan or LeBron James. But what would everyone say about him when he would tell them that he was going to move to China? Ultimately, it did not matter to him. Little said, it has been a wonderful experience to compete in the Olympic Games and to bring home a gold medal. But since I've been a young lad, I have had my eyes on a different prize. You see, each one of us is in a greater race than I have run in Paris. And this race ends when God gives out the medals. In 1925, when Little was 23 years old, he returned to the city of his birth, Tianjin, to serve as a missionary, like his parents and brother Robert. It was a 14-day trek on the Trans-Siberian Railway. He stayed in northern China until 1943, with part of the last two years of his 18 years, years there being in Xiaojiang, where his sister Jenny was born. Xiaojiang was a dirt-poor village that suffered horribly during China's civil wars and saw a lot of Japanese invading their land. When Little served in China, he showed that he was still a world-class competitor. He would occasionally compete in races, and had 200 and 400 meter wins over the members of the 1928 French and Japanese Olympic teams. Little returned to Scotland only twice in 1932 and 1939. Now, Little's first job as a missionary was teaching wealthy Chinese boys from first grade to 12th grade chemistry and sports at the Anglo-Chinese College, a school that still has classes today. One of Little's daughters visited the school in 1991 and presented the headmaster with a medal that Little won for athletics. Little believed that teaching rich kids that they would eventually become the movers and shakers in China and promote Christian values. LDI, the organization that Megan and I served for, had a similar philosophy. One important responsibility Little had uh, was serving as a superintendent of the Sunday school at Union Church where his dad was pastor. 
Little lived, lived at 38 Chongqing Dao in Tianjin, a road that our family uh, rode our bikes on or our electric tricycle on a few times. Yes, we owned an electric tricycle. Please don't tell anyone. It was affectionately known as the Wickmobile. Had it right in the back, the Wickmobile. It got stolen while my lovely family was eating at a bakery and well, Wikimania almost ran wild on a few people, but we won't go into that. Uh, Little's home was located in the ver a, a very neat part of the city that had a great deal of distinctly European architecture, something very uncommon in most Chinese cities. Eric Little's uh, three-story home, which you see right back there, isn't open to the public, but it does have a plaque on the gate recognizing it as historic architecture. If you were to ask those 15 million Tianjin Ren, Tianjin people, the people that live in that city who Eric Little is, virtually no one would know who he is. Um, near, near this home you see back there uh, was the 18,000 seat Minyuan Stadium, which Little helped build. It has a, a number of upscale restaurants where we could eat Western food, a luxury for us back in the day. For the longest time, I did pray that a white castle would be built there, but it never happened. Perhaps one day. In 1930, Little noticed a young Canadian uh, with brown eyes and black hair who played the organ in church. Her name was Florence McKenzie, or Flo. And soon Little was arranging activities that would allow him to get to know her better. And they began courting. So if you like love stories, here we go, guys. If you don't, you know... Close your ears. Uh, he would take her to a restaurant called the Kissling, another spot we have visited. Kissling is the uh, first foreign restaurant in Tianjin and one of the first Western-style restaurants in China. Many famous people dined there in the early 20th century. They had a British uh, restaurant, a, a French uh, restaurant, a German beer, ho beer house, a bakery. It didn't take long for Little to ask Flo to marry him, but the wedding in Tianjin would not happen until four years, late, four years later when Flo was 21 and had completed her nurse training in Toronto. Flo's parents happily supported the relationship and Little asked his mom to purchase an engagement ring. How cute. She sent it to him in the mail from Scotland, which I think takes some faith. Eric and Flo wrote each other often and occasionally saw each other during their time apart. Little had his first furlough in Scotland during their engagement in 1932. During that time, he served as a pastor and was ordained as a minister of the Congressional Union of Scotland. Once Eric and Flo were married, they had three daughters, but Little would not live to see his third child early in the marriage. Little began working as a village evangelist, traveling from Tianjin to the dangerous Xiaojiang countryside where Flo and girls, while Flo and, and the girls stayed in Tianjin. Little was regularly at risk from both hostile communists and Chinese nationals, nationalists who would ransack and destroy villages, and they could care less about a foreign missionary. Now, the Chinese called Little by the same name that they called his father, Lee Musher. Lee was uh, a shortened form as a, of his last name. Sometimes Chinese people would call me Wei Ma Ke, Wei for Wickersham, Ma Ke, Mark. All right. So Lee was a shortened form of his last name, and Musher is a, um, a Chinese word for pastor. 
and um, is actually, I'm not saying it correctly, I'm sure a lot of Chinese would be like, what is he saying? Because Chinese is a tonal language, and I, th I think Mu might be fourth tone, and sure is first tone. Um, Xiaojiang was uh, the center for mission activity in the surrounding area of over 10,000 villages. Little would go from village to village, encouraging Chinese Christians and holding evangelistic meetings for those who had never heard the gospel. Little and his interpreter, Wang Feng Cho, traveled by bike on the countryside roads filled with potholes. The reason why he needed an interpreter was because of the local dialects that would have been spoken in the villages. Before Little started traveling to these villages, the London Missionary Society refused to treat communists and Japanese soldiers for fear of angering the Chinese government. Little helped all people, though. When others would ask why he would help the enemies, Little always said they were loved by God. Little's example influenced others to start helping everyone, regardless of who they were. During World War II in 1941, the British government advised British nationals to leave China due to the growing Japanese occupation. The Second Sino-Japanese War actually began in 1937, and the Japanese had invite, invaded uh, China in the late 1890s and in 1931. A pregnant Flo and her two daughters left for Canada to stay uh, with her family while ex uh, Eric accepted a permanent position in Xiaojiang, serving the poor and needy. Little did they know that they would not see each other in this life again. Eric's brother Robert was a doctor in Xiaojiang, and the rural missionary station was in desperate need for help. There simply wasn't enough missionaries, uh, and those that were there suffered from mental and physical exhaustion. Sick and wounded Chinese men, women, and children constantly came to the station in Xiaojiang seeking medical help. When Eric arrived in Xiaojiang, his brother was not well and needing to go on furlough. Got a couple more slides here. When the Japanese forces reached Xiaojiang, they took over the mission station and Little returned to Tianjin. The Japanese sent Little please listen, and 1,800 men, women, and children to the Weifang internment camp in central Shandong province. Little became a leader at this harsh prison camp that measured only 150 by 200 yards. We're talking about nearly 2,000 people living in an area of approximately three acres of land, an NFL football stadium. There were 23 bathrooms for these people. No toilet paper was provided. Beds pressed together. Of course, the disease is going to spread quickly. One piece of bread, bowl of soup provided every day. That's it. Food, medicine, and other important supplies were scarce, and people would sometimes hide or not share what they had. Little would call out those who were selfish with their extra rations and luxury goods, and he would help the elderly and sick. He preached on Sundays, counseled others seven days a week. He carried metal pails of coal, cooked in the kitchen, chopped wood, swept floors, repaired whatever needs to be fixed. He apologized for not doing more. The children loved Uncle Eric, who taught Bible and science classes, organized games, refereed matches. 
even on Sundays, for those kids. Played chess and directed square dances. The one shy Eric was the life of the party. Funny, joyful, and energetic. One more time, he's in a prison camp. Little understood Philippians 4.11 and 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Rejoice always. While at camp, Little often wrote. His wife, Flo, would eventually obtain Eric's notes, and she compiled them into a book that you heard me say I reviewed called The Disciplines of the Christian Life. Just six months before the prisoners would be set free by American paratroopers on August 17th, Little would die in the camp on February 21st, 1945. He would die from a large tumor on the left side of his brain. He was approximately one of 400 prisoners who died at the camp. Little was three inches taller than me, but I outweigh his malnourished body by 25 pounds. Little wrote his wife on the day he died, stating that he suffered a nervous breakdown from working so much. Little spent the last 18 months of his life at the camp, and the last two months consisted of dizzy spells and minor strokes. Little's last words were surrender. People were, gosh, man, were devastated when he passed away. A fellow prisoner said, he gave me two things. One was his worn-out running shoes, but the best thing he gave me was his baton of forgiveness. He taught me to love my enemies, the Japanese, and to pray for them. Little was 43 when he was buried in the garden behind the Japanese officer's quarters, and his grave was marked by a simple wooden cross with his name written on it in boot polish. The site was forgotten for more than four decades and was finally identified in 1989 on the grounds of Weifung Middle School. The University of Edinburgh erected a memorial headstone of mole granite there in 1991, the year one of the Little's daughters visited Tianjin. It says, They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. From Isaiah 40:31. Rosalie got to visit the camp, which is now a museum, on a seventh grade class trip. You'll see a picture that she took in the last slide. In 2002, when the first men and women were inducted into the Scottish Sports Hall of Fame, Eric Little was selected as the most popular athlete Scotland had ever produced. Just before the 2000 Beijing Olympics, Chinese authorities claimed that Little had refused an opportunity to leave the camp and instead gave his place to a pregnant woman. Eric Little loved a, lived a life running hard after Christ and finished the race well. So, what can we learn from Eric Little's life? One, whatever talents, strengths, and experiences you have, they can be used as a platform to draw people to Christ and bring God glory. We can clearly see that Eric Little was fast and people were drawn to him. He used that to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know from experience that the Chinese were drawn to him because he looked 
different. He used that to share the good news of our risen Christ. His upbringing in China allowed him to go back and tell others who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. What talents, strengths, and experiences do you have that allow you to connect with others and provide you opportunities to help people know Jesus? Are we taking advantage of what God has given us, or are we wasting our lives to live comfortably and like everyone else? Let's not do that. Let's be different and have a sense of urgency to reach the lost and bring God glory. Whatever talents you have, you might be asked to lay them at God's feet in order to bring him greater glory. This point might actually seem to conflict with my first point, but it also holds true. There are many who thought Eric Little was absolutely crazy to walk away from a path that brought him so much success. There were even strong Christians who encouraged him to stay the course and use his athletic success as a platform to serve Christ. But God had different plans. God asked Eric Little to lay down the gift the very gift he gave him. So that's what Eric did. Eric gave up a life of competitive running and pursued a life of hardship in China that cost him time away from his family and eventually his life. Most would never do this, but Eric Little understood God must increase, we must decrease. Little will receive his rewards. He will get to run all the time in heaven with his family. Because Eric Little knew Jesus should be his all and not running in riches, God was given greater glory. We would not be talking about Eric Little had he just won a gold medal. So what does this mean for us? Maybe God will give us this amazing job or a fruitful ministry and it's clear and it's clear that we're bringing him glory through that but later he may ask us to lay that at his feet yes he may do that and if he does let's trust him let's not focus on what we want let's focus on bringing god the glory